Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today, I have on the podcast Shiva and K2 Murthy. I met Shiva a few years ago on a visit to New Delhi, India, and it was uh, an amazing, amazing time. And both he and his wife, K2, have an amazing story. They're currently mission team leaders to a very remote section of India. And I think you're going to be very inspired to hear from their lives. And uh, there's some definite connections that I've made with Shiva and his story, very adventurous person. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this interview today. Shiva and K2, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, bro. Thank you for having us over. We are really excited. It's, yes, thank you so much. It's fantastic to have you guys on on the podcast. Now, when we got together, I we 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 definitely made a bond. I think we went on a a, a tour bus. We saw the Taj Mahal together, which was <laughs> a great time. And there was a lot of young interns um, in the New Delhi Church, and it's such a great church there. I want to just go ahead and, and just get started. How'd you guys become Christians? Can you share with us how you became Christians? Sure, bro. Uh, thank you for having us again. Uh, uh, for me, as my name suggests, you know, I come from a Hindu family. My name is the name of a Hindu god, Shiva. And I was invited to church by one of my aunt who had to persevere with me for many years and uh, when I finally turned up to, in the church on Christmas Eve, and uh, uh, that's when one of the church leaders asked me would you, if I would like to study the Bible. And I had no idea about what it means to study the Bible. I, I just thought that he's calling me over for uh, a session or something because I come from a completely Hindu background. I had no clue about what a Bible study means. And so that's how my Bible study started. And after the first Bible study, I kind of got an idea of what this is going to lead to. <laughs> so I was, after that, I was trying to run away from him. And he had to again persevere with me for another six months for me to turn up for the next Bible study. <laughs> uh, I did not turn up for the next Bible study uh, till my first year. Uh, I was a freshman in college, so till my second semester got over, I did not turn up for the next Bible study. And finally, after that, because he kept persevering and I kind of felt bad for him and I was a people pleaser, I just because I was feeling bad for him, I finally turned up for the second Bible study. And I think from there onwards, God kept opening my heart and I just felt the scriptures are so true. Everything that he taught me, I mean, not from... Since I was not a religious person, but it always made sense. Mm. It was always logical. What the scripture teaches us should make sense to everybody, I think. So it just made me think, wow, this is so true. Why should I not follow this? <laughs> and I had no reasons why not to. So one thing led to another. And in the next one month, I became a disciple. Oh, that's great. So, that's great. Yeah. And what part of India was that? Where Help us out here if, you know, from different countries. Uh, I, we, I was in New Delhi. I was born in New Delhi, and that's where I, I was for till I came to this mission team. Okay, so, and that's the 
northern part of India. Northern part in of the India, capital. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How about you, K two? Uh, yes. So I come from a Christian background. So I, I went to Delhi for my master degree in two thousand nine, but that was that year was a very rough year for me, mm-hmm. and I was looking for a church to help me in some ways. It took me some months to find the church. Interestingly, in two thousand and ten, in the month of August, I was going out for an evening walk. And I came across a, a woman, and she just talked me by, and she asked me to come to church, and I was surprised. She was like a complete stranger to me, mm. and she just handed me over an invitation card that mentions our church address and uh, and her phone number. And then I I just took the card and I told her that I will see. <laughs> But on Saturday she followed up on me. And told me that I'll come and pick you up on Sunday morning, and we'll go to church together. So that's how I went to church with her on Sunday in New Delhi. And that right after the Sunday service, she started studying the Bible with me. And that's how my study continued. And in in a month time, I got baptized on September nineteenth, two thousand and ten. Wow! So you got baptized two thousand ten, and Shiva, how about you? What what year were you baptized? Uh-huh. I got baptized in 2005. 2005. Okay, both in New Delhi. Okay, so you guys met each other. You guys were in the campus ministry together. Is that how you guys got to know each other? Uh, so I got baptized in 2005 as a campus student, and then in 2009 I came in ministry. And in 2010, when I was leading uh, one of the regions, uh, one of the sectors in New Delhi Church. That's when Ketu got baptized in my uh, ministry. Oh, one okay. Of the, one of the ministries, mm-hmm. one of the Bible talks in that sector, and that's how we met each other for the first time. Okay, okay. Now I know you guys have a very interesting story. How you guys got married? Can you tell me a little bit about how you fell in love and then got married? Uh, love to hear that. Um. My wife became a disciple, uh, like we said, in 2010. And since we were in the same ministry, we uh, knew each other, but we did not. We were not very close, or uh, uh, we never really noticed each other. But I think slowly we became good friends, and I, I found her very genuine and very uh, good-hearted. And uh, one thing led to another, and I started liking her. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, asking my leaders if uh, we can date, and then um, we went through a few episodes, and uh, my wife would talk more about that. And I, I was ready to marry her from day one when <laughs> when, when I started liking her. <laughs> for for me, I, on our first date, I was already thinking, when are we gonna get? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she took her time, but I think God, God really wanted uh, to teach me patience and perseverance, since others persevered with me a lot. And so she, she made me wait for three years, and uh, then we had to go through some struggles. And I think Kitu can add uh, more on that. How? What are some things we had? Why she took her time? I think she can elaborate that on that more. But for me, day one, I was ready to get married. I was clear. Okay. How about you, K two? 
Yeah, so uh, I was in college when I first met Shiva. Like he said, I got baptized in 2010, and that's when I first got to meet him. And uh, I look up to him as a very godly brother. And when I hear the sermons like that he preached on week, uh, week meetings, that really inspires me. And uh, I, But I never thought that uh, he will like me or I'll end up liking him. Uh, but we became very good friends. Now, uh, after a while, yes, I did come to know that he liked me. He even told his uh, discipler. When I got to know all of that, deep in my heart, I also developed that admiration towards him. But for me, um, I really had to count the cost before taking this step. Because it was not just about him or about me. But I also know my family, uh, who is going to be so against this decision. So um, though I took time, I would say I was just counting the cost with myself before giving him a green signal. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I kept praying, praying for three years. And uh, in the three years, like I... Finished my master's degree, and right after that, I got the opportunity to go to the school of mission and get trained in the ministry. So uh, during that time, I was just praying that God, if this is your will, you help us to you know get through this. Like so, when I came back from the school of mission, he was still waiting for me, <laughs> and then uh, we started leading the campus ministry together. And that was the time we officially started dating. And the time came when I had to go back home and tell my parents about what was happening in my life. And I told them about us and uh, they they were completely against it. And the reason is that it's because we are from different culture and even the way we look, we're different. And they, they were very concerned about the society pressure and um, yeah, there were a lot of issues, so I kept just I just tried my best to tell them that he is a godly man, he is a God fearing man, and there is nothing to do with caste or culture, nothing like that. But it was really hard for them to get the point. So uh, what, what, my, what, I, tell me what they are worried about. What what were they concerned about, and what were they saying? So according to. According to us, like the Naga people, uh, we are like taught from childhood that we should marry our own people, our own tribe. And outsiders, the, the ones who are like non-Nagas, like Shiva, uh, there is a trust issue. Like, And they have the tendency that people out of, like outside our place, they are like, they're just evil. Like, in a way, like, you know, they just have that assumption. <laughs> so uh, it was really hard to convey to them. And also, like, when they came to know that he's from a Hindu background, like, that made them even more, like, worried. Right. So uh, they, yeah, they brought up so much of, like, issues. They brought up church issues, mm -hmm. many things. And then uh, in all this, my younger brother was very supportive. Like he he was there for me and for Shiva in, in every step that we were, you know, taking towards our marriage. 
And then uh, he came for our wedding, though my parents could not come for our wedding. Um, he walked me down the aisle. Oh. And that's how I got married to Shiva. And yeah, that's how we got married. Now, I remember when we were together a few years ago, you shared with me a story about how you had to, um, oh, yes. you were engaged. If you could just share that story, I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. I would love to share that. So, um, yeah, I we got engaged and I, I went home to tell my parents to come for our wedding. And uh, <laughs> I was locked in the house. Like, you are not going back to Delhi again. You, 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 were, not you were locked in the house? They locked you in the house? Yeah. And that's how I missed my flight to go back to Delhi. And um, yeah, I, I I was I just got stuck there, like I could not do anything. And then the next day, I I had to leave from the house. I told my mom that I'm going. It was right after my dad left for his office. I took my bag, and then I went out. <laughs> I took a bus to go to another state. But uh, the bus also broke down somewhere in the middle of the middle of nowhere. Like I, I have no idea where I was, and and then some some good strangers just I met them on the way and they gave me a lift and took me to another place which I don't know. And then they, they took me there and after that they told me that from here you will get a local bus that will take you to your destination where you want to go. So I took another bus and I went to Imphal. And that that night I stayed with a brother and sister in Imphal. And the next day I booked a flight to New Delhi and then went back to Delhi. <laughs> and all this while I was panicking in Delhi. Oh my gosh. So were you guys talking over the phone during this time or? Yes, we were. Uh, initially we were talking, but I think I was panicking and I was pressurizing. I think she was already facing pressure from her family. Then on the other hand, I was there telling her, just leave everything and come. I'm waiting for you. In just a few weeks time, we're going to get married. There was so much of tension. And I think after a while, she stopped taking my calls. And I think I now look back and I really respect that because she told me that I, I wanted to make my own decision. Mm. I didn't want it to be pressurized by you or by my family to decide this for myself. And I, I started asking myself, is this what I really want? Am I ready to leave everything behind for this future life? Wow. And so I think that's how she made her decision. Wow. Yeah. I, before leaving the house, my family told me that if you're going ahead to marry Shiva, you are no longer going to be part of our family mm. and you should never come back to Nagaland. That was the last conversation we had mm. as a family. And yeah, and still I went ahead and got married with Shiva. So you guys got married and your family, your parents were not there. Your brother walked you down the aisle. Did, um, have you reconciled with your family? How, what, what are your parents' attitude now? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I have to say, I must say that God is good because uh, right after we got married, 
you know, sometimes uh, pain comes in our life as a blessing in disguise. Mm. And what happened was right after we got married, my father was diagnosed with a very severe heart problem. Mm. And he had to come to New Delhi for his heart treatment. And for that matter, he had to go through us because we were uh, we were the point of contact to the hospital. And that's how we all came together and got reconciled. And it was something we have never imagined that everything would just fall into place so soon, so quickly. And now we're all good. Wow. I, I, I have to add uh, one thing here is that uh, you know, it took me a little while to understand the culture over there, where they come from. Uh, I think in 1980s and 70s, uh, they, the people in Nagaland, that eastern part of India, had gone through a lot of uh, subjugation and a lot of uh, racial problems with the people of the other parts of India. So they, they were literally abused by them and uh, they had they've had their share of bad experience so that particular generation has a kind of hatred towards the people of the other parts of india because of what they did to them and their children they were sexually abused they were uh, shoot uh, they were shot dead on the roads their children a lot of riots and different kind of things have happened in that place so after i understood all that and where they come from i think uh, if I was in their place, then probably I would have also had same feelings and thoughts. So it took them time, but I think uh, now we are all in good terms. Uh, in fact, we talk quite regularly, and we are all happy. I think it's all it's all good now. Okay, so Nagaland, it's you know I know that I, my geography is pretty shaky, but what shocked me is it I didn't even know this part of India even existed. It's like. It's on the other side of Bangladesh, and it borders. What is it border? Um, not Burma, but Myanmar. Yes. And so the people are are more. They're more Chinese Chinese background, right? And I was reading about them, and and it's like ninety percent Christian Christian background. Um, missionaries from the the Presbyterian Church went there in the eighteen hundreds. So it's a lot of Christian Christian influence there. Right. That's right. Yes, bro. Uh, it's a mostly Christian background. Many churches, church every next door. That's that's Many denominations. What's that? There are a lot of denominations in Nagaland. Okay. And yeah. so that's that's and and you're closer to that area, but it's still a long long distance from where you're at right now. Is that right? That's right. We are in the beginning of the eastern part of India, and Nagaland is perhaps one of the ending parts of eastern parts of India. India is quite diverse, as uh, you can see geographically. Also, oh my uh, gosh, where we are at is the end of Nepal, mm. and uh, so we have we have already crossed Nepal when we are here right now. Uh, that's so good. You know, it's really interesting where you live. It's like you're sandwiched in between China, Nepal, and Bhutan. That's right. I mean, and just, even Bangladesh is not very far. Right. It's just south of you. So it's like almost on four sides, you're surrounded by different countries. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because 
I mean, what's going on in the United States, we're having um, race riots. There's all sorts of racial tension regarding the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. And I mean, it's just tearing up America in a, in a lot of ways. And one thing that really stood out to me about my visit to India was, and I, I was totally didn't know what to expect, is how different the people are. I mean, it's a vast, it's a huge country for one thing. But I had an image in my mind of what an Indian person looked like. And I remember going to a service in New Delhi and seeing a man walk in. And I thought, oh, they've got an American guy in their their church. And I was teaching to the church. And uh, I talked to Prakash. uh, Is it Prakash? Prakash? Prakash. Prakash, yeah. Afterwards. And I said, Prakash, I said, listen. Um, who's that American guy in your church? And he goes, American guy? Who's, we don't have any Americans. I said, no, that, you know, that white guy. It looks like he's from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> and then he gave some name, some Indian name. He goes, oh, you mean, you know, so-and-so. And and um, I go, oh, okay. And he was a, an Indian person, looked like absolute Caucasian, total white person. And then I'm just seeing, you know, uh, Chinese people, and then even both of you, you. I mean, you couldn't look more different. I mean, just the the the, the your appearance is is completely different. It's it, it it just blew me away. It's like there's a whole country, uh, a whole world in your country. And I'd like to, you know, just kind of ask you guys to share a little bit about, you know, how that's affected you. Um, you know, obviously it's affected your marriage and getting married. But just what are your views on on that? Um, any comments? Any thoughts? Yes, well, thanks for asking. And uh, it's really sad. Uh, but at the same time, I think God is at work with what's happening in the United States right now. And that is something that we also are praying about. And over here in India, uh, racial discrimination is quite... Uh, prevalent here as well um, and I, 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 I grew up listening to all kind of words being used for me because I'm dark skin and uh, those are all Hindi words so but uh, it basically would mean uh, black or blackie or different kind of names that people would call us and it made us very insecure growing up it made me very insecure uh, about how I looked and uh, whether uh, people would accept me the way I am. But I think one thing that really helped me was when I came to church. When I became a disciple, when I came to church, I I could not believe that I found an environment where I was accepted, not because of how I look or not because of where I come from. Uh, because as you saw in New Delhi Church, we, we are so diverse. Uh, we, we have people who are Asian looking, who are dark skinned, who are uh, Caucasian, white, uh, but inside the church, we have a culture where we, we just focus on being spiritual and we give values to what God values. And I think uh, it, it takes, for me, it took a little while to accept and believe that this is true mm. because for a while I thought that how how can this be true in a world that we live in? How can these people be so nice to me and how can they just not make fun of me or treat me a different way because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when I saw how much I was loved and respected in the church for who I am inside and not how I look from outside, 
And that, that really encouraged me. It took me a while to really start believing and trusting that this is true. Mm. But now I feel so free and confident. And I think uh, before I became a disciple, if anybody would make fun of me for how I look, I would feel very insecure. I would probably run away from there. But now I feel so confident that I can speak back to them and I can let them know that this is so wrong and they are wrong and not not the way I am, you know. So uh, being in church has really developed my confidence in that way. Mm. How about you, K2? Yeah, for me, I grew up in Nagaland, so I have never been out of that place until 2009. And I, I was taught and I have always heard that people outside Nagaland are, like I said, evil. They are, they, they have all wrong intentions to do something bad to you. And so when I went to Delhi and I met few people and yes, I met some people who called me chinkies and uh, cheap, you know, like they, they just give you a lot of names. But when I came to church, I saw different kind of people who look different and yet they they are so together and I also saw them like saw their good side like how they were so generous so kind so loving and I I came to know that all these years of my life the things that I have believed from hearing from others was not true like when I came and when I experienced it myself like I got to understand that there is heart in everybody, you know, like that, that wants to love, that wants to be loved. So, yeah. Yeah. Very, very powerful sharing. Now, um, well, let me, let's go ahead and just change, change the subject here a little bit. Um, you've, you've been a Christian, you've both been Christians for a while now. And how, how did you guys get chosen to lead a mission team to the current state. You guys are in Sikkim. How do you pronounce that? Sikkim? Sikkim. That's right, bro. Sikkim. Okay. How did, how did that come about? You're on a mission team far away from Delhi. What what happened? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I have been a Christian for 15 years now, and I always wanted to go on a mission team. I think I come from a Hindu family, like I said. And when I became a Christian, I came to know that Jesus is the only way. That means there are billions of people out there in my own country, in my own neighborhood. There are thousands of people who don't know anything about Jesus, just like I did not know. So when I remember first time when I was reading the book of Acts and I saw this guy, Paul, uh, going from one place to another place, that was like a fantasy story to me. And I was like, wow, this guy is really up to doing something, you know, and I, I always wanted to go on a mission team. That was always my dream. And uh, I remember when Delhi Church was sending the mission team, uh, I, I was a young disciple at that time. I think it was in 2007, uh, they were sending a mission team to Orissa. I, I went on all the mission team classes. I wanted to go on mission team, but I was told I was, uh, I'm just a campus student. I need to <laughs> finish my studies first. And then I remember again wanting to go on another mission team. And every time I was not sent for some or the other reason. And then I thought maybe God doesn't want me to go. So I was in Delhi. But when this whole thing about Sikkim mission team came, 
uh, I remember the announcements were me, being made and everybody was saying, let's pray for Sikkim. Uh, we're going to send a mission team to Sikkim. In my heart, I really wanted to go. But, uh, and we were already married and we both wanted to go, but we were thinking, uh, we are not sure if we should ask because uh, during that time, Delhi Church had gone through a lot of changes. Prakash and Joy, who were leading the North Indian churches, had gone to the eastern part of India to Kolkata. And then few other leaders had also gone. So Delhi Church had literally, except me and Ketu and one more uh, brother, uh, one more couple, we were the only staff which were left from the previous batch. And so we were sure that we will not be sent, no matter what happens. Right. And I remember one staff meeting, Prakash and Joyce, um, not asking us, but telling us that we want you to go to Sikkim mission team. And of course, for us, it was like a dream come true. We were really excited. But they just said, we, we're going to announce that in just a few minutes from now. Are you guys okay? <laughs> but be before we announced that, are you guys fine with that? And we were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And that, that's how I think it, it started. Um, this whole mission oh, my gosh. I just love that spirit. I mean, th I think that's something that, uh, you know, I felt a connection with you from from three years ago. I just love that attitude of, hey, I, I want to do something. I remember thinking as a young Christian, I want to be like Paul. I want to I want to live my life like he did. And I, I felt almost identical to that. So, And planting churches is something that I certainly – love and have spent my 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 ministry life doing and so um you know i just love that attitude and that heart that's just crazy k2 how did you feel about it when they sprung it on you minutes before the announcement that you were going to be going to on a mission on a mission team <laughs> right oh i was super excited but at the same time i was not expecting that coming to us um we we have been together in delhi for a while and we were always telling each other that if we ever get a chance to go for a mission, we should never hesitate. That's what we always tell each other. That's right. But then, yeah, when this came, we were so excited. That's right. That's right. That's great. Okay. So tell, tell me a little bit, um, like, how, how did you start the mission team? How did you, you know, there, there are people listening that, They'd like to do that. They'd like to do something like that. Whatever country they're in, they're going, man, I want to go on a mission team. I want to, I want to plant a church in my hometown. I want to, you know, whether they're full-time or not full-time. And they're thinking, oh, man, I want to, I'd love to do what they're doing here. How'd you do it? What steps did you go through? Can you give me a quick rundown on, on how you formed the team and, and what you did to put together a team? Sure, bro. Um, I think the first thing is that uh, we, we, if it's our desire to go on a mission team, then it should always be in our prayers. Uh, and I remember the first uh, day when we got married, the first night, I remember we both prayed about this. As a couple, that was one of our dreams, is to go on a mission team together. And uh, that was my prayer as a single, which could not happen for... Uh, the first nine years of being a single and as a Christian. And when we got married, we prayed about this. I asked her while we were dating and this was her dream as well. And so we both specifically prayed about being in the northeastern part of India. Wow. And uh, I mean, that time I didn't know how it's going to happen or what, because she's from there and 
somehow God had worked in my life in such a way that most of the people that I invited to church when I was in New Delhi were from this part of the mm. the ministry that I led. Somehow people would come from this part of the country. So it was our prayer. I remember specifically praying about this on the first night and always constantly praying about going on a mission team. So I think the first and the most important thing is if this is your passion, then also make it your prayer hmm. and make sure that you always pray about it because God knows and he knows the best timing. And if we are asking for something like this, why would he not send us? Right. Uh, because we live in a world where the harvest is plentiful and we, we still have so many places where we need to have churches and, um, and to, to, so the Going to the preparations part, uh, so just like I said, you know, we uh, Prakash and Joyce just announced that we will be going on a mission team. And after that, he also told us, Prakash and Joyce, they both told us that uh, we don't have a very big budget. So <laughs> we won't really have a very Classic. formal, uh, we won't have very formal training or uh, it's not possible. But what we're going to do is we're going to announce it all over the country. And we will give your contact. So if anybody wants to join or if anybody is passionate about this mission team, they can join. Some of them can be volunteers. Some of them can go to Sikkim and start working. means they have to leave their job. Or some of them can apply for college as campus students and study in Sikkim and support the mission team. means we are going to try everything to be self-supportive as soon as possible. Wow. So that that's how the, the beginning or, or the... The initial stage was and then after that I remember uh, the, our uh, Indian church leader Dinesh George he called me one day and he asked me how are we feeling about going to this mission team and I was expressing to him that one, one, the, one of the concerns we have is we don't have many mission team members and we have budget constraints and I don't know if anybody would like to get hired for this salary or would leave everything behind and come and we we had all those doubts and he uh, I remember he assured us and he told us to have faith and he also told us that we uh, we also have in India something called a school of mission I think that's happening all over the world in different parts of the world in our churches so he said we have some school of mission trainees and what kind of school of mission will it be if they don't go on a mission? That's right. So that's right. He told us that uh, we're going to send some of them to help you start this church at least for six months. We're going to we are going to commit that, and after that we will see what we can do. Hmm. He again said, but because of budget restrictions, they will we will you guys will not be together. You might not have a formal training, but you have to figure out how you can go ahead. So what we did is we started online. I mean, before this lockdown, we were already doing online training and podcasts and sessions like this. So we started online Zoom or what in India we use WhatsApp video calls. So we were doing video calls and that's how every day we started our morning devotion. Wow. We will have early morning devo uh, because we thought whatever we are supposed to do in the mission team, we should already be doing it. Right. Exactly. So we told all of them that we will have an early morning devo as the sun rises, we will all get up. We will have a devotion and we will have a daily goal. We will all go out in whichever part of India we are. And we will come back and share the next day what we did and how was our day. Wow. 
So we did all that on the phone call or on video calls. And uh, we also had Nepali learning classes because it was important for us to uh, learn the language uh, before we came to this part of India because India has different languages and this part of India we use Nepali. And there were two brothers from Nepal in our mission team. One, uh, they, uh, one of them uh, comes from Kathmandu Church. And so they, they started online Nepali classes for us uh, on these phone calls. So we would have Nepali quiz every day. And he would test how much uh, we are picking up. Uh, so this is how we started our initial training. And, uh, I also want to add, you know, we are very grateful to Emmanuel and Toby. Uh, there are the church leaders in New Delhi Church right now. And I remember they they told us that we would love to train you. And they had their own busy schedule, but they would allow us to come to their house early in the morning. Uh, and they would take us out. Uh, they made Delhi like a mission field for us. Mm. And they would walk with us. And they would, every day we will meet in the morning, we will have a Devo. We will go out, we will evangelize, we will follow up on people. They were a big church leader, but they were willing to do this for us. And they walked with us. And I think that that little training really helped me to get an idea of what I'm supposed to do when I go to Sikkim. Mm. Wow. Now, K2, like you have a, a four-year-old daughter named Adora. Is that right? Yes. And... That must have been like, wow, okay, now we have a kid. This is going to be challenging. What were your thoughts as you thought about going on a mission team with a child? And what would have been some of the challenges you faced? Yeah. Yes. So uh, while we were on this training in Delhi itself, and we have these early morning appointments, and we have to go out early mornings, I realized that it's not going to be easy. You know, that was... That was the fear that started creeping in my mind. And I was, I even had a talk with Shiva. Should we really consider it again? Right. <laughs> because it was hard. Like, right. it's, it's easy to just, you know, uh, imagine and see the good side and do that. But when the reality hits you, you know, it's never easy. So, um, then we actually we started like getting help from Emmanuel and Tolly about how we should go about with our daughter and um, how we should manage and handle our personal time, our family time and ministry at the same time. So they, they were very helpful. They, they taught us what can be you know, done with our daughter. And at the same time, we do ministry. So, um, so yes, with our daughter, with all these challenges, we came here, landed in Sikkim in the month of September. She was three and a half years old. Now, when we came here, it was raining like anything. Like the, this place is always wet and cold. So we we came here and we came to know that our luggage truck was stuck somewhere and it did not arrive. So we had to wait for almost two weeks for our kings to come. Oh my so gosh. the house that we were living in had nothing, literally nothing. And we had no guest of nothing to cook. So we were eating outside, but the, like we were feeling really bad for our daughter. And we had to like take out curtains, which the previous tenant has left in the house. 
we use that to cover her in the night when she sleeps. Oh. And that's how we were managing. But in this whole time, we also found some really good neighbors who came forward to help us and offered their kitchen so that we can, you know, prepare some meals in between. And um, yeah, in the beginning, it was it was hard, I must say. But in the two weeks time, like it was so productive because we just got to know so many people through this way. And, uh, and we also found a new school for our daughter. And when, when the principal of the school came to know that we are missionaries, she gave us 50% discount for our daughter's admission oh. and for her school fees. And that is going on till now. And uh, something very good came out of from this mission is that our daughter, she has become more sociable. She loves to express herself and she's associating very well with the locals over here. So it makes us very happy. And wow. yes. We take with her. We take her with us, even when we go out for ministries. As, wow. as long as it is not early morning or, or late night. Right now, I know that I'm sure there's people listening, and, and and I get this question a lot from from parents, especially um, you know sisters are like, "Wow, I'd really like to do missionary work, but man, what do you do with the kids? How how do you manage it? I mean, I know my wife's gotten that question a million times. Like, how did you go to Japan with a six week old? and have kids and you know what advice would you give k2 to a woman that really wants to to make a difference with her life she'd love to go and you know whatever do something spiritual for god and yet she feels like oh i don't know about my child Mm -hmm. right um i would say first of all uh it's so important to pray about it pray for a heart of discernment because uh, our children are very important. That's something we need to you know, really pay attention. Uh, but for me, um, maybe I don't have the best advice that I can give to everybody because it's different for everyone. But for me, what really helped me is just relying on God. And every step that I'm taking, like I'm just telling God that God, I am helpless without you. Mm. And and at the same time, I'm, I, I'm passionate to serve you. So please, Help me out, like show us a way how we we can balance and handle this situation. And it always worked out. So yeah. That's right. Talk about courage. I just love that. Thank you. Okay, so you formed a team. You moved there in September of 2019, and now when this is uh, June 13th of 2020, how much have you grown? Like, where'd you start? Where are you at now? Tell me about your progress on the mission team. Sure. So uh, we had our first uh, official service on 22nd of September. We landed here in mid of September. And 22nd of September, with one week preparation, we had our first official service. And uh, I think we had 80 or 100. Yes. We had, uh, we had 80 visitors in our first service with wow. a mission team of 14 people. Uh, we were nervous. We were praying about it. and. Till uh, our service starts at 10, so till till 10, we didn't have anyone in the church. And I was <laughs> thinking like, okay, uh, I have to really look like encourage everyone. It's going to be a flop show. Uh, and I, we had ordered snacks. We wanted to make it very special, our first service. And then after five minutes, I see one by one people walking in. 
And in next 30 minutes, our hall was full. Wow. We had 80 people who had joined us. And we, we were so excited. And uh, I think uh, we just told them about God's, God's love for this world. And he has a plan for everyone. And it, it, it was really inspiring. Uh, I, I look back. And so then after that, I remember um, we started um, going out to evangelize every day. We would meet every day early morning for our morning devotion. Earlier we were doing it online. Now we would meet physically in a central place in Sikkim. And then we would go out and we would um, start inviting people. We did not, most of us except two brothers, still do not know how to speak in Nepali really well. But I think the ones who uh, who did not, who were really bad with Nepali are the ones who brought most friends. Oh, that's interesting. So all the more we, we started realizing that it's all about God. You know, it's not about India. Uh, we had one brother from the far southern part of India from Kerala. He would always bring someone or the other to Bible talks or to every, for a Bible study. He would call me every day and say, bro, there's one guy who's interested. Where are you right now? And I would have to go by. I would always think, how does this guy talk to people? Because he doesn't know the language. And most of the people he would invite are are people who, who probably would not understand most of the things he's saying. But they just like his courage and his attitude. And just maybe he is a spiritual person. You know? Right, right. And he would just pray, pray with some of them on the road. He would just stop them and say that, can I pray for you? And so I think because of that, God started blessing. And in next four months, uh, I think our church doubled and 14 people were added to the church. We, we went with a group of 14 people and our prayer was in next six months, the church should double and become 14 more. And I think in next four months itself, the church became double. And after that, there came the pandemic. So we were all uh, in the... So I think we didn't, God wanted us to have achieved that goal. And I think it was just that God answered our prayers because of which that, that could happen. Wow. So you started with 14, then you got to 28 and you're at 28 right now. And you must be doing a lot of like Zoom, Zoom discipling and things like that. What, how have you adjusted to the pandemic in leading the church? What, what tools have you used? How have you, um, you know, coped with, with that? So uh, uh, our church is 21 now because seven mission team members have gone back. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so they already took off. They already left. That's challenging. Yes. Okay. So they, we, we were told from the beginning that all the school of mission members would help us only for six months. And because of pandemic, they were stuck for two more months, which was good for us. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they could not travel because it was not allowed to go out anywhere. So they were with us for eight months. And then, but now they were all gone back. So now we have uh, just us and we have two volunteers. And apart from that, we have two more mission team members who are with us. The, all the other are young disciples. Okay. And so, yeah, coming back to your question, uh, uh, initially, we didn't know how to respond to this pandemic because, uh, of course, this is the first time it's ever happening to any of us. And we thought that the lockdown will be for one week, then it got extended for 21 days, then it got extended for two months. I mean, we we, we were just not prepared and we, we have not done this sort of ministry before. 
So first few weeks uh, were very challenging, especially because in Sikkim, uh, it's we are up high in the mountains and uh, in eastern part of Himalayan mountains and the the phone networks are really bad over here. Uh, norm, uh, by God's grace, we, me and Ketu, we have a Wi-Fi connection now. That's why we are able to do the Zoom call. But most of the disciples, in fact, no one has a Wi-Fi connection in our church. Oh so they all depend on their phone connection. So connecting online is like really challenging. So um, we had to, that's one thing. And the second thing is people are not so used with, no, not so used to with new technology. Since the network is not good, people don't use phone very often. They, they are more like how people would be in 1990s or 80s. They meet physically and they love talking, they hang out, they have social gathering, but not so much on the phone. So we had to train the church how to use Zoom app, how to make a video call. So for that, sometimes we had to visit disciples uh, during the hours we were allowed to go. We had to request some of the mission team members, can you physically go and teach this brother how to make a video call? Maybe you might have to do it a couple of times and then they can start. So with that, I think uh, now it's been a while since we have been doing Zoom calls and it has been good. Uh, sometimes the disciples have to go outside of their house towards the roadside or towards a field where they can find a better network so that they can connect. Uh, but that's how we've been doing Zoom calls and oh my connecting. Gosh. It has been challenging, but we are trying to figure it out. Still, right. we're working on it. Right. Okay. Well, one, one other thing I thought too is, is like, okay, you're, you're there. It's like 70 or 80% Nepali um, ethnicity. So yes. how's that worked? I mean, that's not your, your background, Shiva. I mean, you, you, you look totally different than the average person on the street. Um, I mean, how, how's that going? For you, um, it's still different for you, K2, right? But, or you may feel a little bit more at home. Um, tell, me, tell me about your experience in terms of just the, like, how are people treating you? Are you running into racism? Is that an issue? So, uh, people here are different. Definitely, they look different. The culture is different. But also, they think different in some ways sometimes. Uh, they are not so much expressive. So, initially, I, we had to learn that, that sometimes they might not like me, but they might not even say it to me or they might not make me feel that way. From outside, they would be very nice, but we don't know what's really going on inside. I see. So uh, we were trying to understand the culture. Uh, but one thing that I have realized after coming here is that, uh, like I said, bro, it's all about prayer. Mm. I think it's so important for me, uh, and this is what we kept talking as a mission team for the first six months. Every day we would talk about this. Is uh, you know that every day we need to pray for God to send us to those open people. Even if 90% of the state is not open, we got to pray that God leads us to the rest of the 10% specifically. That's right. Because there must be people out there who are seeking the truth, mm -hmm. who are looking for a way out. And they don't care about where it comes from as long as they get it. And so we, we had to pray a lot. We, we, we started this mission team 
uh, and I'm sure that that's how uh, most of the people who go on mission team would say with prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. That's what we did in the first uh, few months. Every week we would fast, we would pray. Any study that would get stuck, we would fast for them and we would pray for them. And few few weeks down the line, we would see them repenting and making a decision to get baptized. And every time those things would happen, we would be so inspired that God is always listening to our prayers. And, and sometimes I saw the brothers, uh, you know, on the road and I would ask them, did you eat anything? Like, because we are all evangelizing in different parts and sometimes we bump into each other. I asked them, did you eat anything? And most of the time they would tell me that, no, I'm fasting. And I would be so challenged and inspired uh, at the same time that I, that's what, that's the way to go. And I, they would, I would ask them specifically, is there something specific you're fasting for? And they would tell me, I'm fasting for this person so that he can repent. Wow. And two weeks down the line, that person would get baptized. Wow. And and I would be telling that brother, you were fasting for him and you were praying for him and he was not changing. Mm-hmm. And see, he made it again. And so we saw many prayers being answered again and again. So uh, I think being on a mission team, whether you go to a familiar place or to a different place, we have to depend on prayer. Wow. We have to keep asking God and and we have to believe in the scriptures that harvest is plentiful. That's right. What about you, K2? Right. So as for me, this place has been good to me. <laughs> the first thing is because I look like them. So <laughs> I mean, I feel so much accepted and loved over here. Mm-hmm. I mean... When they see me, like they don't even ask, they just start talking. But I, I don't understand their language. But like I have to still like tell them like here and there with few words that I know I just try to communicate with them, and they really like that. I also see that uh, when they come to know that I'm here to serve uh, God and working for the church, some of them like when I travel, they don't even take my fare. Like they would pay for me wow. or. Uh, they would just invite me like to their home and ask me to pray for them. So for for me, it has been really good. That's great. That's great. Okay. Well, let me let me just switch subjects. Okay. Let's just change channel a little bit. One of the things that I just loved about you, uh, Shiva, is you are a motorcycle lover, and I love motorcycles too. And I I definitely think we we connected and bonded about motorcycles, but. Um, you, you told me about these, these trips you took. Can you tell me about some of your trips that you've taken? <clears throat> I remember you telling me about your first trip up north and you were on like a, a 250 and you went two up. You had you and a brother on the back. Can you just give me a short rundown of some of those trips that you've taken? Yes, sure. Bro. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely love motorcycles and I, uh, I think I can say I love adventure, uh, whether it's motorbike trip or a hiking trip, camping trip, and especially with the brothers in church. You know, and I, I want to emphasize on that because I think as Christians, we must live a life where sometimes the world should look at us and say, like, I want to be like that. Because many times, you know, people, uh, we look at the world and we can envy them. Wow, they're having so much fun and I think we, we, we as Christians, we, we should not sin, and that's wrong. We are totally against that. But there is so much God wants us to do and allowed us to do. 
Um, so I, I'll, I'll come to the bike, but I'm just sharing my mindset before that. One of my fears before I became a disciple is when I came for the Bible studies, I never wanted to be a religious person. Because for me, being religious is equal to being boring. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the mindset of most of the young people, campus students, teenagers. The moment they think about being spiritual, they think, oh, my life is going to get boring. Right. And that's the last thing I wanted as a young 19-year-old man who came to church. And I figured one of the brothers told me that, I remember one of the brothers telling me that I have enjoyed my life as a Christian more than what I enjoyed as a non-Christian. Mm. And that really inspired me. I was like, wow, so we can enjoy our life as a Christian. That's that's so cool. And I remember then uh, I made a plan with the brother that let's go on a bike trip. And I, I had a Yamaha FZ at that time. And um, that was newly launched in India. And that, uh, that was the time I started working in the corporate world. And so I remember... I, I just decided, oh my goodness, I'm going to buy this bike. I was really excited about that. I bought that bike. And the reason I bought it is because I wanted to go on road trips. And I, I remember asking the brothers in the church. And that was not a normal thing back then. Like, uh, that's not something that a lot of disciples were doing um, in India, especially. So uh, that was a new thing. And some of the young brothers got excited. But uh, towards the last moment, when it comes on the day when we are about to leave, most of them would back out. Right. And I remember right. the one brother who was who's told me that even if no one goes, I am going. Can we still go? I said yes, absolutely. I said even if you are not going, I will still go. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to go, and I remember one of the sisters. She's very close to me. She's like my big sister. Uh, she she kind of <laughs> lectured me. She she told me, you don't know anything about what you're doing. You're going on the highest road in the world. You have to acclimatize. You have breathing problems. You are taking a bike that will never make it there. <laughs> and she, she, she was like my big sister. You know, sometimes she would like babysit me and start telling me that you're taking a big risk. Don't do this. <laughs> and I remember telling her that I'm going to try. Let's see whether it's going to work or not. I don't know, but <laughs> let me try. And I remember me and this brother, uh, we made a, a roadmap to Google Maps. And we had no idea apart from that map what we were doing and where we were going. But we Googled again and saw some of the people who had gone on this road. And we, we were so excited. We gave, the tri- gave this uh, trip a theme. Uh, we called it the road less traveled. <laughs> so you had like a theme. You had a theme for the motorcycle ride. Yeah, we had a theme called as the road less traveled because it was on a dangerous road and not many people go on those kind of places. And so we were going on this highest road in the world, uh, which is in the far eastern Himalayan mountains, uh, eastern part of India and north and eastern part of India. And uh, we were on the bike together for 14 nights. 14 nights? 14 nights. One oh one bike, two of us. He was sitting behind me. And uh, just a few days back was his birthday. And I was telling him how much I admire and respect him sitting behind the bike for 14 <laughs> nights. <laughs> I'm sure that was. And I don't know, bro, how we did it. But we just did it. You know, we just left. And we finished it. <laughs> oh my and, gosh! And you—it's a two fifty, 
Okay, not the most powerful bike made. That's it was a one fifty. It was a oh my gosh, a one fifty. <laughs> Two people on a one fifty. Oh, that's amazing. There, there were moments uh, in the trip when we had to get down, like he had to get down and push the bike from behind. <laughs> and we had to do all kinds of things, but we somehow finished it. And we, it was not just the two of us. We were carrying two huge backpacks with all our gears and stuff. We were carrying two, we were carrying a tent, just three people tent. We were carrying sleeping bags. I don't know. We we made our bike like a truck, you know, and we just left. Oh, that's awesome! It it's just, just so amazing that you did it. Now, how many trips have you taken like that since that that, that time? What what year was that? So uh, that was in 2012, and uh, I think we have taken about five trips on different parts of India and different mountains. Okay, and, uh, so you went from five or bike trip, but apart from that, we have been on many hiking trips where we go on uh, hiking the different because in northern India is full of Himalayan mountains. Yeah, so there are some peaks that we hike together as brothers. Okay, so you went from New Delhi to Lahore. Where did you go on that first? We trip? went to Leh, L E H, Leh. L-E-H. Okay, I'm trying to look for it on the map here. I don't see it. But in any case, that's that's amazing. I just love that spirit of adventure. And and I I pray someday God allows me to come out and go on a, on a ride with you. That would be a dream for me. And I know we talked about it three years ago, and I know you're busy, but um, that's just awesome. Totally awesome. Now, K2, how do you feel about his motorcycle riding? <laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> okay, so... Um, before we got married, while we were dating, he has asked me for one thing. He told me that I just have a request and I don't want you to say no to me. <laughs> Even after I get married with you and we have kids, I would still love to go for these trips, road trips. And I told him that, okay, fine. If that's what you love to do, you can do it. But yes, after having... A child and sometimes he has to go out and I am with my child at home there are times that I miss him and I feel lonely and those were the times I feel like why did I let him go <laughs> right. <laughs> but he always comes back with very good experience so that's what I love about it and I'm I'm, I'm supportive of his trips and his passion that's great what a great wife you are I just go wow that's awesome and that's that's so cool. Anyway, um, I just love that love that story. I love you. You know, I love your sense of adventure, your sense of passion, and um, I think that's that's great. I, I just feel like there's so many young people that go, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be boring. I want to live my life, and that's kind of why I wanted to put the, together this podcast. Is I think there's a lot of people very similar to that. Go, hey, I want to make this life count. You know, I want to I want to live an adventurous life, and I think what's so cool about you two is you're you're both doing it, and you know, equally working together on that. And I just really respect that. Now, um, you gave some advice earlier about prayer. Any other advice? Let's go back to the whole thing about missionary work. Any advice you'd give to someone who who'd like to do missionary work, or, or you know, or ministry work, or anything like that? Any any quick takeaways or things that they could start working on right now? 
uh, <clears throat> Ketu can add, uh, but for me, I feel if anybody wants to be on a mission or if anybody wants to serve God do ministry work, I think uh, we have to do it because we, we believe that that's what God has called us to do. Uh, we should never be on a mission team because someone expects us to be there or someone tells us to be there. Because being on a mission field uh, is a totally different experience. And if this is not what, because it makes you think, is this what I really wanted? Mm -hmm. you, you always reach, uh, you, you always hit a point where you ask yourself, is this what I wanted? Is this what I want to do? And that's when, uh, if you really don't want to do it, then you will probably regret mm -hmm. that you made this choice. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think uh, it's, it has to be your passion. It has to be, you have to be clear about this is what I want to do. And even if you are afraid and you are not sure whether I want to do this, the question is: Do you have faith? Are you willing to put take that risk? If you have, if you're willing to take that risk, then no regrets. You should never look back and feel like I made, because otherwise, uh, I have seen people being bitter because of the choices they made instead of being grateful. Right. But I've also seen people who went through suffering because they sacrificed for the Lord. But today they are doing really well, both in terms of uh, physically and spiritually, and they are happy people because I think God always likes to know our heart and our attitude. Mm -hmm. Why we are doing what we are doing is so important. Right. Right. Wow. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the same line, like my advice to somebody who wants to be a missionary or be in the ministry uh, I would say just be passionate about your calling mm. and guard your heart because it is easy to take glory for yourself mm -hmm. or on the other hand, you might get burned out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of burned out, do you guys, do you, what do you guys do for fun? What do you guys do to relax and recharge spiritually and in, in, in your marriage? So me and Ketu, I think, uh, uh, sometimes after coming here, uh, we were always surrounded by the mission team. I think uh, you, I think that's someone something that I think everybody who starts a church knows that it's like the first century church. They are always there. Right. Your house is always full. People are always there. These mission team brothers and sisters are always there. We are either out there in the field together, or we come home and cook together. We eat together, and so. Initial uh, first few months, I think the best, it, we became like a family, mm -hmm. the mission team and us. And I think that that also helped us because we never felt alone. And I they just recently left two weeks back. I think uh, we are yet to experience the, the, the lonely time or the time when me and Ketu will be all by ourselves. But uh, till the time they were here, I think... Uh, one of the focus of the mission team, I think I'm just switching the subject a little bit, but I wanted to add this also, is that uh, we also had to remember that our goal was not just to grow the church, but we were also training the future leaders. Mm. All these mission team members who came, the, the 10 uh, mission team members and the two volunteers, we see all of them as future mission team leaders. And whatever we do with them, whatever we teach them, whatever they see us, living out, 
we know that that's what they're going to imitate and that's what they're going to do in future mm. so our goal we, we also told them that our goal is to train you to be great future leaders we're going to give our best and we expect the same from you so we 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 walked with them i think that what kept us really busy initial uh, six months uh, we were more busy with the team than anything else i think i can look back and say that for sure yeah i mean for our marriage like how we spend time and how we relax ourselves um we watch movies together mm-hmm. that's what we like doing but she, she likes she likes marvel movies yeah marvel movies you like yes. thor oh yeah of course those are great right so we we love to watch movies together sometimes we also cook for each other so that uh that really helps especially in this lockdown we we had learned some new dishes there you go <laughs> smart <laughs> she has started baking oh. and she knows that i i have a sweet tooth i like desserts so she has started baking and i'm not sure how is it helping me though but, <laughs> <laughs> but i feel very special when she comes out with a cake uh, sometimes and i am like wow thank you for doing that and Uh, I have started a few recipes of my own. I I would not like to name them. I'm still figuring out what it is called. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So let's um what what are your goals for the planting in the church? So, you, so you've just identified first of all you double the church, which is awesome. Now you've got the challenge of losing most of your team and you you said you want to you want to raise up new leaders and raise up the mission team. What any other goals for going forward? I mean like what what are your one year goal, your five year goal? Yes, so uh that was the first part since we already knew that the mission team will be with us for 6 months only. And so we have already finished that. So our next goal uh, uh with the two mission team members that are left, I we four of us we met together and I told them now we're going to start mission team 2.0 hmm. uh, and our goal is now to raise up the young leaders basically our goal is to replace the mission team uh, with with the local people who are from here and uh, some of them will be the future church leaders of this church i believe that's just my faith and my vision and uh, some of them will be the great and faithful and pillar good disciples of this church in future So our goal is to now continue growing the church but our focus is to train these 14 disciples whom we have and train them in a way that these people can lead the church lead this church and continue to take it to the next level. Mm, that's that's, awesome. that's the next stage. Yeah, that's a lot of work and that takes a lot of time. So that's that's fantastic. Um what are you guys doing to you know you you guys are very isolated geographically what are you doing to feed yourself spiritually to stay strong to stay fired up to stay encouraged what what how you how you keeping the fire burning you know it's locked down it must be so frustrating you can't meet with people as easily as as before how do you, how do you keep your faith growing can you hear so, me um yes yeah, i can hear you okay uh so i think uh, during this lockdown we were able to do certain things which we would have not done if it was not a lockdown so uh some of the thing that has really helped me one is uh, i've been 
apart from listening to rock skinner podcast i mean <laughs> so uh, i i've been reading a lot of things from our uh, church uh, we have a teachers blog of our church and i i like listening or reading what they have been doing and i i've been following this brother uh, he's from philippines church his name is roland monje right he's a teacher in the manila church and he has been writing these letters in the lockdown and i was so inspired when i started reading it how about how paul was in a jail cell and he wrote four letters to the churches and he was able to achieve so much when he was in a jail cell and he definitely inspired me to think that so there is so much i can do in this lockdown it's just i have to change my perspective and the methods and the way we have been doing things and so both the mission team leaving and the lockdown initially what we saw as uh, a place where we were stuck now i see this as a new opportunity mm. where we can do things which which are something which we would have not normally done like for example we have a big neighborhood we are not allowed to go uh, beyond certain restrictions but we can we are, we've been able to reach out to many of our neighbors calling them for dinner sometimes going to their places meeting their children and we were telling the mission team members also while they were here that that's what they can do the best they can do right now is meet their neighbors mm. and reach out to people that they would have probably not reached out to yet the other thing is we are trying to keep in touch with people more often because earlier we were so busy when we came for the mission team many of our family members and we still have many family members especially for me who are still not christians most of them are still hindus and i kind of got lost uh, touch with them because i became a disciple and i my world became totally different and i got busy with church and came to the mission team but during this lockdown i was able to get in touch with some of the people i would have usually never called and they were so happy to hear from me and i was also inspired that wow you know one phone call can make such a big impact Wow. and i'm praying that some of them can also come to christ one day they are my own family members i mean i'm trying to change the whole world and here we have some of my own people i usually don't get to talk to and so i think it has made me think that i can reach out to more people more often maybe in a different way and i maybe initially i don't have to again start with church because they don't want to hear about church but i have to just get connected with them and pray for them and god will show me again opportunity then open the doors so that they can also become the fighters right it's great how about you k2 right. yeah i i must say that um how we are feeding ourselves being away from the big church from our close friends uh i actually i get more time to do my personal bible study and i try to take notes of that and this lockdown has really helped me and given me more time to uh, focus and examining on what i've been reading and sikkim is a very beautiful place so it helps me relate to the creation of god even more and uh, i mean i i i love to just sit and watch the beautiful mountains and and just the skies and admire admire what god has done so i think that's helping me a lot in my spiritual life and i'm also trying to reach out more with my friends back in delhi mm-hmm. like 
who are doing spiritually really well, and I get to share with them about my my life, my struggles, and we talk for two, three hours, and it really helps. Like it helps in our spiritual life as well as in our friendship. That's what I uh, that's what I have been doing. And apart from that, in this lockdown, um, something really good has happened because everybody is at home and. Like Shiva was saying, he also got the chance to reach out to his family. I also started reaching out to my family. So last Sunday, my brother and my mom, they attended the service through Zoom call. And uh, tomorrow, my family, like my mom, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, all of them are going to attend our service through Zoom call. That's awesome. I am super inspired. Yeah, That's great. What a great way to reach your family. That's great. Now, and I think that that's probably what, you know, one, in my experience of mission, mission work is, is there's a loneliness and an isolation. And even when you talk to people back home, they don't, they don't get it. You know, they're, they're living their normal big church life and they've got their, all their friends. And so they don't feel the kind of sense of desperation that a missionary feels. So, and I think in particular, I know, I know just speaking from personal experience, I know my wife has felt that more acutely, like, man, where's my friends? I, I need more friends around me. And I, I've, I tend to get more focused on the mission and, you know, just the work and, and relationships tend to be more secondary. And, um, but I think, you know, for my wife, she's so, she's so relational. I think that's something that I've had to really look out for her about, make sure she's got friends both locally as well as, you know, outside the church, outside, you know, back home or in other churches. So that's, that's really powerful. Okay. Um, I just want to say, um, I just want to, you know, from our discussion here, like, let's talk a little bit about language. Okay. One of the things that struck me about India is I, I thought that the language was Hindi and English. And yet when I went there, I mean, you had people translating in like two or three different languages while I was speaking in English. I mean, how do you manage that? Okay, you've got Nepali where you're where you're at that's spoken. What are you doing for your translation and and just the language? Are you, are you guys going to Jap? Are you guys going not Japanese school, but are you guys going to school to to learn Nepali school? So uh, we just try to learn online and. Uh, YouTube and there are different tutorials that are available online and I think uh, when it comes to language if anybody is going to a new place and we don't know the language the best way to learn is on the field when you go and meet people and you don't have any other option but when you want to express that I have to go to a bathroom or <laughs> I have to I, I, can you give me water you have to learn these basic things to survive it and so I think that's how we started. But uh, thanks to technology, now there are so many things we can do. I remember the sisters and uh, Ketu was sharing with me. Uh, in the first few days, the sisters started visiting the houses in our neighborhood to go to their place to just to pray for them. But how do we go and tell them that I'm here to pray and I'm a, I'm a missionary? Yet? So they, they had Google Translate on their phone. Oh. And so they, they would type in everything in English and whatever would come as a result of translation, they would let them know this is, and I think it was still not perfect Nepali, but people would get what we're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's how we started off initially. And now, I think we have reached a point. I can say for myself where I can speak few words, sometimes even sentences. I always start my from past few weeks. I have been starting my sermon with few lines in Nepali in the beginning. That is. More than anything, I think it's to boost my own confidence. Right. And right. I think the second thing is to make the people who are from here more comfortable. Right. Because they feel right. more comfortable when they hear a few words in the beginning in their own language. Is it your goal to, like, do you have a goal to, like, start preaching in Nepali in, like, a year or two? Or, like, do you have, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really go after this so I can become fluent in a certain time? Yes, uh, that was my goal was to do it in six months, and I have uh, not achieved that yet. But I think maybe uh, in next few months I should be able to. In fact, before the mission team was leaving, I was thinking to do the last sermon before they go in Nepali, and uh, but towards the last few days before I could do that, I realized that I think it's gonna be a big flop show. <laughs> so maybe next time, you know. So uh, I think I can do it in a few more months if I try. That's I might cool. not be able to be perfect, but I I can already speak the words. I just have to uh, use Google Translate to prepare my sermon in Nepali. And I will be able to deliver it, but I have to first understand what I'm speaking. Right, exactly. Okay. Another thing that that you mentioned is you said you have a mission team plus two volunteers. Like what's the difference? I don't get what, what's a volunteer. Yeah, so um, because we had budget restrictions, we knew that we will not be getting a big mission team. The school of mission came to the rescue later on, but till that time we were told that we might have only two mission team members apart from the two of us because that's the budget or maybe maximum three or four. But we can always have as many volunteers as possible. Volunteers means people who would come and take care of their expenses. So I they see. don't affect the budget of the church. Okay. So these are people who would come, who are campus students. They would be going freshmen or they would be doing their masters, but they would be doing it from some university. Okay. Instead of going to any other university, we requested people from all over India to apply university in Sikkim and if if they want to serve here and if they get in then they can be a part of the mission team and they can serve as uh, self-paid or you know taken by them self-supporting self-supporting interns okay so the the original mission team they were supported by the 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 churches outside of Sikkim and and they got money to basically reach out for the six months that they were here. Is that right? Okay, that's how you did it. Now, can you tell me how much did the whole thing cost? Like how much, I'm just interested, how much did it cost to to do that, like to send this team off? Like for your salary, for the the planting, everything all told, um, what what would it be in US dollars? Um, Do you have have any idea? Our budget for the first uh, year was, uh, we were uh, sanctioned a budget for six months for 10 lakhs, uh, around 15,000 USD. Wow. So for, for the whole thing, everything, your salary and everything, and all the mission team members, $15,000 for six months. Yes. And that also included the budget for the 
brother's flat and the sister's flat. All the brothers, they, they rent for their flat and the sisters had another apartment. They rent for the sisters and they rent for the church hall, which we hired. So that's yes, amazing. Everything was included. Wow. Now, are you getting support from outside the country or is it just from a central mission fund or how, where's the money coming from? It's from a central mission fund for, for Indian missions. Okay. That's great. That just, from my perspective, that just doesn't seem like very much money. It's like, wow, that's a, a shoestring budget. So that's, that's really interesting. Now, um, I just, I know that there's people listening. They're like, man, I want to go there. I want to go visit. <laughs> this sounds, I mean, I've seen pictures of Sikkim, you know, on Google. I'm like, wow, I want to go there. I want to go visit. It looks beautiful. It looks very rugged, mountainous, um, you know, just looks very exotic. If a person wanted to support you guys, let's say, you know, I'd like to support that mission team, you know, whether financially or they'd like to go and visit, maybe encourage you for a little bit. Um, what what should they do? Where, where How should they get a hold of you? Um, they can, we are on Facebook. <laughs> My name is Shiva Murthy. S-H-I-V-A space M-U-R-T-H-Y. And you can see me as a common friend of Rob Skinner. <laughs> okay. And my, my email ID would be Shiva, S-H-I-V-A 101 at gmail.com. Okay. Well, and, what, what I'll do, Shiva, is I'll put all that information in the notes from the podcast. And sure. so people can reach it through there and I'll try to make that available. One thing that I, I want to request uh, to those who are listening is, uh, I mean, regardless of the support, because God will always take care of us, please do visit this place. It's a beautiful place. We are, I mean, apart from the, the work that we are here for and everything, this is the kind of place you go for honeymoon. Oh, absolutely. I saw the pictures. It, it looks like Shangri-La. It just looks like, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is this is the kind of place you come for your family holiday. Yeah. So any disciples from any part of the world, if you're listening to this, you are welcome to come here. And you come here, we will take care of you. <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> yeah. we, because see, one of the things as missionaries uh, we realize is, like you talked about loneliness. I think we would be always happy to have someone here. Mm. And anybody who comes here, you know, and Rob, please do think about coming here sometime if you want to. It's a beautiful place. As much as you will enjoy being here, we would enjoy your company. Well, what if, We what can if, always have friends. What if a person said, hey, I want to do a one-year challenge to help support that church? Would would that be something you might be open to? Uh, we can talk about that. Yes, sure. We would okay. be happy to okay. see how we can work that out. Yeah. Well, they would have to be, you know, helpful and it had to be something that wouldn't create a burden on the church. But in any case, that's great. Well, any final thoughts, any final words that you guys would like to say uh, to our listeners around the world? I think uh, we talked uh, about the mission and we talked about my person, our personal life and also about the bike trips. I think uh, I would I would like to share a scripture, John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think as Christians, we must live a life that reflects our faith 
and our passion in God. People in the world have a perception about what it means to be a spiritual. And that was my perception before I became a Christian. As a young man, as a freshman in college, you started studying the Bible. But I think as a Christian, I've discovered there is so much more to Christian life that Jesus has to offer. Christian life itself is the greatest adventure you can ever take. Yeah. Apart from the road trips and many other things which you can add on. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I became a Christian and it, it has been an adventure. I come from a Hindu family. I had to go through some problems initially, but it has been an adventure. God has blessed. I, I've seen amazing things. My family members become a Christian. I'm getting married to a, a wife who loves God so much. The whole life has been beautiful adventure. So I would just inspire everyone, like Rob Skinner podcast says, a no regret life. That's right. I think that's what we have to live. Thank you. K2? Yeah. So as for me, I would also uh, want to share a scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. It says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, mm. so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is something I wanted to share with all of you listening because it's so important that we may be doing all the things that we're supposed to do, but then in the end, what matters is your relationship with God. It's you and God, and you don't want to be disqualified for that. That's right. So that's, that's powerful. Thank you. Well, you guys are such an amazing couple, and I'm so inspired by your work um, your lifestyle, you know, your values, your love for God. I feel like I, I'm a brother from around the world, you know, and I just felt a super connection three years ago when we visited, and I still feel that even stronger today. And I'll be praying for you and and look forward to keeping in touch and, and the good work there in Sikkim. And uh, for those listening, I want to say thank you for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. It is fantastic to have you um, listening in on this. And my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you're interested in the material on this, I will have this in the notes for connection to Shiva and to K2 and the church there in India. And if you enjoyed this program, I'd like to ask you to share it with your friends. Let people know about it, subscribe to it and have a great day and make this life count. Thank you.